Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello not to Annabelle Lee, but to Sahani Gunatilika. You are filling in for Annabelle, who is sick today. Yeah, I am. Hello. Welcome back. We are happy to have you here. We miss you, Annabelle, but happy to have you, Sahani. Always that delicate balance. We love everyone. Coming up on today's show, the Celebrity Festival of Celebrity Festivals Coachella is here and there are two questions on everyone's minds. Are Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello back on? I care about that one. <laughs> and what the hell happened to Frank Ocean's headline set? Then Meghan Markle won't be at King Charles's coronation. Lily Reinhardt is trolling Cole Sprouse, we think. And sorry, I smell a rat with Matthew McConaughey's new press tour. <laughs> Another conspiracy theory from Zara to finish us off. <laughs> this show is just becoming real tinfoil heart stuff. Oh. But first, Michelle, how was your week? I think I've officially hit that point in the year, which I hit every year, when I just lose control of everything. Yeah. I've lost control of all life admin. And this happens every year where I get to Jan, Feb, March, I'm doing okay. I kind of have things under wraps. And then April hits and I suddenly haven't gotten my car serviced in forever. My car looks like a dump. I am just falling apart. I'm sure that I have car registrations and all these things due, but I'm just not across it. I'm disheveled, I'm disorganized, I'm stressed, and yet I'm not doing anything at all to fix it. Yeah, that is sort of the mood though. Just knowing <laughs> things are going wrong and not doing anything to fix it. Are so you losing like... control of the year? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not not losing control. I'm just sort of floating. Okay. I'm floating. I would say I'm floundering, but that's okay. That is okay. We can float and <laughs> flounder here. We can. I've got two recommendations. The first is Chrissy Swan on the Imperfects podcast. Have you guys listened to this one? Mm. You have, Sahan. I have, yeah. Did you like it? I did, actually. I wasn't expecting to like it, but I binged like a whole lot because I've got their live show at the end of the month. Ah. Are you going? Yeah, I'm ah. going. That's cool. I haven't listened to this one yet. I've listened to a few of their others of their new season, but I haven't listened to Chrissy. Well, I'm a big Chrissy Swan fan, and this podcast episode was just so beautifully honest, particularly when it came to Chrissy's attitude and approach to parenting and how at this stage in her life, she started to actually prioritize herself and how she doesn't really feel the need to bend to what her children want from her. She's trying to raise them to be really resilient and independent ah. and recognize that they've got a mum who wants to do what she wants to do. That's really awesome. It's really awesome. I wouldn't necessarily recommend you listen to it, Zara. We have said to each other lately, the whole parenting thing is a little daunting. And there is one line in this podcast where Chrissy literally says that having a child is catastrophic to your way of life. So <laughs> if you're feeling a little nervous about becoming a parent, maybe not one for you. Not that we're even close to becoming parents, but we have been speaking about it. I mean, we speak about it all the time, I think, when you yeah. run a business. People who listen to our bonus episode this week will know that. Yeah. And I'm just constantly looking for people who will tell me that it's not as bad as it looks. Yeah. And at no point <laughs> is anyone doing that. Catastrophic is as bad as it gets for mine. Catastrophic. So listen to that one if you're in the mood for it. I really love Chrissy Swan. Another wreck I have is actually a piece we both read on the weekend, Zara, that made me go down an absolute rabbit hole. It was What Are You, A Spy? When academic Kylie Moore Gilbert met comedian Sammy Shah in the Sydney Morning Herald. It was part of their The Two of Us series yeah. where they get two people who have a relationship with each other to answer questions about their relationship and they kind of give them each space to talk about their dynamic. And it's, it's a really beautiful piece. It's a beautiful piece. It's also just like a beautiful section of the paper. When I sent this to you on the weekend, I was like, I'm, I'm obsessed with this, but you were just as into it as I am. And this is why we work so well together. Yeah. Do you want to explain why we found it so interesting? Okay. Kylie Moore Gilbert is an academic. She was wrongly imprisoned in Iran for two years. She spent 804 days in solitary confinement in Iran because she was suspected of being a spy. She's actually a university lecturer who specializes in Middle Eastern politics. And when she went into prison in Iran, she had a husband back here in Australia. Now, unfortunately for Kylie, you would think life can't get much worse than being wrongfully imprisoned overseas. While she was in prison, her husband reportedly had an affair with one of her colleagues and friends. And by the time that she got back, she's on the record saying all of this, by the way, For we sure. don't have his side of the story. When she got back, 
her marriage was over and she was alone. And now she's fallen in love with comedian from the ABC, Sammy Shah, who you and I love, Zara. Absolutely. And they're having a baby together. They're having a baby. And I just think read this piece in the Sydney Morning Herald, then do what I did and go on an absolute deep dive because I remember caring about this story back in 2020 when it was a big thing in the news cycle. It is so lovely to revisit it despite all of the trauma that Kylie has gone through and kind of see where she's at today and see where the story ended up. A hundred percent. It's really, really beautiful, this back and forth about the two of them, about how they were in pretty separately tough places in their life when they met. They met on Hinge Mm. and they came together and have just got this really beautiful and mature and calm love story that I am obsessed with. It feels very real. Absolutely. What about you? What are you bringing to the table? So I have two recommendations this week. One certainly more random than the other. (laughs) Um, Shall I start with the random one? Please. I want to recommend an obituary from the New York Times. (laughs) Its title is (laughs) Anne Perry, crime writer with her own dark tale, dies at 84. Crime writer with her own dark Dark tale. tale. Now, the reason that I was so interested in clicking on this obit is I saw a tweet on Twitter, obviously, (laughs) from Liz DePriest, uh, a writer, who tweeted this with a link to the story. And she wrote, one time a delightfully eccentric professor saw me sitting bored at my staff desk in the English office when I was a grad assistant. He said, are you in need of some intrigue? I said, always. (laughs) And he said, read Anne Perry's personal website, then read her Wikipedia page. Now, first and foremost, is that not the best question ever? Are you in need of some intrigue? I'm wondering if I should just bring that to the show are you all in need of some intrigue i've got a fun fact i actually don't think you could find a moment across a year when i'm not in need of personal intrigue are you in need of some intrigue i think i'm just going to make that part of my lexicon (laughs) anyway this obit is fascinating i don't want to give too much away all i will say is it's about crime writer ann perry who has had an incredibly successful career writing crime Mm. but after she started to get really successful at writing it became public knowledge that she herself had been imprisoned when she was a teenager for murder oh my god (laughs) not laughing at murder laughing at the bizarreness of it all the the whole story the whole obit reads itself like a fake story like it's insane that this is somebody's life obviously Anne Perry has died that is why the obituary has been published in the New York (laughs) Times but I really recommend it as something different to read again and if you're in if you're in the mood to go down rabbit holes this is a rabbit hole story the theme of the week a rabbit hole yeah absolutely my second quick recommendation before we jump into the first segment of the show i listened to the best memoir i've ever had the pleasure of consuming last week it is called this is not a pity memoir i tend to listen to my memoirs in my ears yep um where I, else would you listen to well, I, I mean in the sense that i don't read them i prefer non-fiction Audiobook, fiction in, you know, books. Completely agree. Yeah. And so this is by Abby Morgan. Abby Morgan is a British writer and she has written lots of good stuff, including what? Um, Sorry, I I should have given you more clues. (laughs) I didn't realise this was going to be a pop quiz. One of our favourite shows ever. Oh, one of our favorite shows. Well, I would say our favorite show. Oh, The Split. Yeah. (gasps) She wrote The Split. Split. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Abby Morgan wrote The Split. She also wrote like Iron Lady, Suffragette. She has like this really illustrious career, has won an Emmy. Oh my God, I'm in. What does she write about in a memoir? So in this memoir, I also, again, don't want to give too much away. I know it's a memoir. So if you Googled her life, it would all be in the articles, but I think it would be good to go in with this, not the full story laid out, but essentially what I will tell you and what the blurb will tell you is one day about five years ago, Abby Morgan's husband collapsed and he was eventually put in an induced coma and when he woke up after six months, he didn't remember her, but remembered oh. everybody else. Oh, oh yeah. my God. And it sounds really tragic because, of course, that is incredibly tragic but the way she writes about it is so life-affirming and hopeful 
And she's one of those perfect narrators in my mind who is so happy to say the ugly things she thinks, who is so happy to say, talk about her own flaws, which I find that the most trustworthy narrator of all time because she lays herself bare and you fall in love with her. Even when you're saying things that sound ostensibly clunky. Why do I feel emotional when I haven't even yeah, read it? Yeah, no, I, I was thinking as I was listening to it, you would love this. And I was also thinking about all the times you would cry in it because I, I would be dry. having this in my ears just like (laughs) crying because it was so beautifully put together so and I've got to say she didn't doesn't read the audiobook which I normally prefer yeah the audiobook narrator is one of the best audiobook narrators ever wow like a really really strong audiobook narrator and I don't think that's that common no you know normally the author reads their own words and that's what I like about an audiobook yeah no but it's it's just like 10 out of 10 amazing so if you guys are looking for non-fiction I couldn't recommend it more in the form of an audiobook as well oh my you heart. have to listen to it please I absolutely will it is time for a bit of a tone shift Sorry, everyone yeah. I we're forgot. headed to Coachella I forgot how much <laughs> we were pivoting here yeah we're really going to Coachella guys Coachella 2023 has just had its first weekend and as always it was quite the spectacle yeah before we speak about the music we need to talk about the celebrity sightings because there have been quite a few interesting headlines to come out of Coachella this year particularly when it comes to exes but maybe not exes Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello. I am obsessed with this story and I wasn't expecting to be obsessed with this story. Are you guys into it? Yes. Um, <laughs> not really. Okay. Well, Sahani, you and I together. So as a quick refresher, Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello became friends in 2014. Dating rumours swirled in 2018 and they were papped holding hands in the middle of 2019. They were one of the more, I think, publicly affectionate couples we'd seen in a while they I think they're quite physical uh yeah I think that might be even putting it lightly when I think of Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello together I think of that making out video that it oh. kind of looked like they were <laughs> Wait, I don't to... know this yes you do we spoke about it on the you show <laughs> and I don't remember uh sorry I actually think Sahani can you try and find this while I give some yep. more context because Zara needs to see this and we will put this up on social media for everyone to reminisce <laughs> on the making out video is all I can see in my head when I think of these two which is maybe it's why it's the first thing that came up <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe why I'm not so excited that they're potentially back together Oh, look at this, Zara. Am I watching this right yeah, now? Yeah, you're going to watch this right now. We're turning it around for you. So they're on sort of a live stream. <laughs> I will, and they're just sort of sitting, talking to the live stream. Camila Cabello is now looking at him. God, they look hot together. <laughs> and then, so this is not just them being papped. Uh, no, this is something they chose to film. They're about to go in. <laughs> Guys, I swear. No! Oh, my God. I swear to you, I've never seen this. How have you not oh, this seen this? Going. has to be. Okay, they ha- they're joking. Uh yeah, but it's not funny. <laughs> it's just No, nah, you know what? I'm into it. Whatever. Don't ruin this romance for me. They're eating each other's chins. Yeah, at one but point. they're clearly joking. Let the let the kids have a joke. <laughs> anyway, this relationship, as we know, ended in November 2021. The announcement basically said that they were going to stay best friends, like so many of these mm. sort of relationship statements or breakup statements, I should say, say. And after that, we saw Sean hanging out with his older chiropractor, Dr. Jocelyn Miranda Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, she's apparently about 27 years his senior. On Camilla's part, she reportedly dated a businessman for half of 2022. Anyway, thanks to Coachella, we have an update. Sean and Camilla might be back on. They should have to be back on. (laughs) Well, some videos taken by the festival goers show various angles of Sean and Camilla dancing together, grinding on each other, making out together, holding hands, following each other through the crowd. We have a million angles and every angle says these two had sex that night. Oh, easily. (laughs) And there was also, when they were leaving, there were paps following them like crazy. She was leaving with a bunch of friends and he was sort of awkwardly trailing behind. And they yelled out to her and her friends, are you guys back together? And her friends said yes. And I think Camilla said yes too. It's kind of hard to tell, but all you hear in the background of those videos is giggling girls. It's really, (laughs) really relatable. Yelling yes, which I loved. They, They looked incredibly sweet. Again, their chemistry undeniable for mine (laughs) at the festival I'm into it yeah despite all that though a source has told page six that they're not back together I really enjoyed what a plot twist this quote the source told page six 
They remained friends with a lot of love and history between them. They decided to meet up at Coachella since they were both going. So what, they're exes who sometimes sleep together? Maybe they're in that awkward phase of trying to work out if there's something there again and they don't want to go too public with it even though going to Coachella (laughs) and making out with each other is about as public as it gets. Other celebrity sightings at Coachella included Kendall Jenner with Bad Bunny. Yes. He performed, Bad Bunny performed at the festival and there are so many photos of him and Kendall hanging out, walking around together. There's also headlines that Leonardo DiCaprio was spotted partying with supermodel Arena Shake. And some tabloids are reporting that maybe there's a thing between them. But I, I seriously doubt this. I have a big question mark over this. Irina Shake and Bradley Cooper, from what we can tell, seem to be back together. Yeah, or very quietly seem to be back together. Bradley Cooper and Leo were quite old mates. Yeah. I probably imagine this to be more a case of these two are actually just old friends, but the tabloids are just deciding to ignore that and link them together. Not to be all poor Leo, because I don't really <laughs> believe poor Leo, but he actually can't be photographed with anyone without being linked to them. Like no. no one can be in his orbit without being linked to him. No, you're absolutely right. And the photos are nothing. They're literally standing in a circle with a group of people. Onlookers took photos and said, wow, these two are connected. These two are together. When it's like, no, they just looked at each other's faces and spoke for a bit. Yeah, 100%. I don't think there's anything there at all. Yeah. Let's talk about the music. For sure. The headlining performers, so it obviously goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The headlining performers included Blackpink, Rosalia, Bad Bunny, Blink-182. They all got pretty decent reviews. Blink-182. Well, that's, okay, when we say Blink-182, we... It's 1,000% Blink-182. Okay, we've also spoken about this on the show before. I know And that. then we went and looked. The band members themselves have referred but to I, them by both it, names. Does it not fit? It feels like a betrayal to my childhood <laughs> to call one them Blink-182. One for your Say Friday. Do you say, say Blink-182 Blink or Blink-182? Bit of palmy palmy about this. <laughs> Depends on your state. Now, the headliner of Sunday's set was Frank Ocean, Zara. It was Frank Ocean's first live performance in six years. And he didn't necessarily impress the crowd. And he certainly had some mixed reviews from reviewers. Yeah, this set has kind of become its own mini scandal, I think. It was such a disaster that Variety headlined their piece. Why was Frank Ocean's Coachella set such a disappointing mess? Yikes. Now, to balance this out, we should say some outlets like The Guardian did rate the performance semi-positively. I mean, they, they gave him a three out of five, with the reviewer Adrian Horton commenting that at times it felt like the best concert he'd ever attended, but at other moments was completely confusing Justin Bieber posted a massive defense like a pretty emphatic defense of Frank Ocean saying that he loved the concert GQ acknowledged it was chaotic but special regardless of that Mish the critiques were pretty plentiful weren't they yeah according to Variety the set started over an hour late Frank Ocean performed very few of his own songs. He opted for a lengthy DJ set in the middle of his allotted time, which was kind of like a mini rave that people found a little disconnected from the rest of the performance. He did a lot of covers of other artists' songs. His presence was largely obscured from the crowd. According to a number of viral TikToks, no matter how close you were to the stage, no matter how early you got there to see Frank Ocean, You actually couldn't see him at all. Sometimes the cameras panned to him behind the scenes, but he was barely present. He also ended his performance abruptly by walking off stage and announcing off stage through the microphone that he'd hit curfew and the show was over. It was so random that people in the crowd thought that he was joking off stage and thought that this was all part of like performance art. And then all of the lights came on and everyone awkwardly left. Yes. The other thing I think to note that I saw everywhere was there were the occasional long deep silence between songs sometimes which was two really minutes awkward yeah. like people found really really awkward one tiktok from a user called jacqueline commented really disappointed everyone in the crowd was shook that was liked at the time of recording 580 thousand times so these aren't just little obscure things we're picking off the internet these are huge waves of sentiment the twitter account the festival hour which is sort of regarded as a pretty trusted source in the music industry reported that the issues with the performance ran deep we're going to read you the reporting in full because it's pretty fascinating and these claims have also been verified by variety yeah do you want to kick us off absolutely the tweet began I've been speaking with sources about exactly what transpired 
transpired and how things went so far downhill Sunday for Frank Ocean and Coachella. So here you go. The stage production was supposed to and did contain an ice rink that was constructed and ready to go. Frank decided at the last minute that he no longer wanted it at all. All the people walking around him at the start of the performance were actually ice skaters. They had been practicing for weeks and were supposed to be skating as part of the production. Coachella had to deconstruct the approved stage that had been planned and signed off on for months in advance and melt the entire ice rink and then set it up how Frank decided today with no warning, which is what you ended up seeing and caused the hour-long delay. This all happened when doors had already opened for Sunday and people were securing their spots to see him. If the last-minute changes weren't made, Frank wouldn't have performed at all, leaving the festival without a closing headliner. Yeah, it went on. Frank also personally pulled the plug at the last second on the live stream, which left a very sour taste in many inside Coachella mouths. Ultimately, and I quote, it just didn't seem like he wanted to be there, but he was obligated to be. Everything, including him, fell apart last minute. Don't expect to see any coverage from the festival about the set, something that is unprecedented in the history of Coachella. The relationship is not in a good place right now. Oh, the the ice rink stuff Mm. genuinely makes me anxious. I cannot imagine being a festival. An hour before. Like being a festival organiser, you've spent months building a fucking ice rink and you've got all these ice skaters and then all of a sudden that plan's been pulled. You need to melt the ice rink and find a plan. How do you melt an ice rink? It's just like heaps of people with hair dryers. Like, I don't know. If anyone listening to this is in events... I'm in awe of you. I'm constantly in awe of people that are in events. Like the stress. Now, it does sound like Frank Ocean's team have gone into damage control a little bit. Various outlets are running quotes that he injured his ankle and therefore the last minute changes were ordered by a medical team. Yeah. Um, It's a bit muddy. Uh, The other thing that I do think is important to note here is In 2020, Frank Ocean lost his little brother, Ryan, in a car crash. He was just 18. Now, in the set at Coachella, Frank Ocean spoke of that death saying, my brother and I came to this festival a lot. I felt like I was dragged out here half the time because I hated the dust. I know he would have been so excited to be here with all of us. I'm seeing this definitely part of the conversation online to say, you know, this is the first time Frank Ocean has performed in a very long time. Mm. Certainly the first time he's performed since he lost his brother. Uh, I think it's an important added layer to just sort of put in here. I also thought this tweet from Hello Teffy really empathetically summed some of it up. She wrote, I feel Frank Ocean is in a difficult place because his feelings are so intimate, but he needs privacy and believes in his artistry deeply. I get the feeling he is hyper-protective of his messaging, and I can understand why producers and festivals and teams of people can find this frustrating. Festivals can try to uphold artistry as much as they can, but at the end of the day, they want people to sell tickets and have positive PR. I don't think Frank Ocean gives a fuck about PR. I think he cares about controlling his narrative. The music industry is a vampire. It must be incredibly maddening to love your fans and hate the industry. I am only assuming here, but to accuse fans of not caring about Frank's grief, especially on my side of the internet, is reaching. He made the decision to change the set and production because he believed in it. I think that's just another perspective here that is important I mean you're talking about Frank Ocean who is an incredibly revered artist Mm. it is one of those sort of strange dichotomies between the art and the real commercial element of music which is Coachella surely Coachella is is just as commercial as it gets yeah I wonder if Frank Ocean signed on to Coachella maybe a year ago who knows knows? maybe more knowing the music industry and how far out things are planned and I wonder if he grew to regret it. I he genuinely didn't want to do it. I think that's probably true. I think so too. I think he, it, it, from all reports, it didn't seem like his maybe heart was in it or it seemed like he he felt two certain ways, maybe two conflicting ways about doing the performance. Most interestingly, guys, he's due to headline again next weekend. He's due to close the festival again next weekend. At the time of recording, his team and Coachella have half a week to repair what sounds to be like a pretty fractured working relationship. So watch this space. I think it would be incredibly difficult for a whole range of people, including Frank Ocean, behind closed doors. Coming up after the break, Meghan Markle will not be at the coronation. Lily Reinhardt is trolling her ex and Zara smells a rat with Matthew McConaughey's press tour. But first, a word from today's sponsor. 
And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity news cycle. Zara wearing a cute cardigan. Where's it from McDonald's? What have you got for us? Oh, now it's going to sound sponsored. It's just a little friends with Frank number. Oh. <laughs> it's new. I bought it on the weekend <laughs> and I'm happy to be here. It's very cute. Thank you. Nothing like clickbaiting people through podcasts. We <laughs> can't see what you're wearing. Our first story. I love how much Lily Reinhardt's new boyfriend hates Cole Sprouse. <laughs> that is from Jezebel. What a story. I'm obsessed with this. Last week, Lily Reinhart was spotted kissing actor and TikToker Jack Martin outside an LA airport. Now, it all seemed like pretty good, harmless fun. I mean, it is good, harmless fun. Mm. Uh, until it got even gooder, even better, <laughs> because internet sleuths started kind of digging into Jack Martin and realised that Jack Martin had done like an SNL-level parody in March of Lily Reinhardt's ex-boyfriend, Cole Sprouse. Yeah. If you follow us on Instagram, you will be familiar with what we're talking about. Last month, Cole Sprouse copped some serious heat after he appeared on the Call Her Daddy podcast. Now, on that show, we saw in video form that he had his shirt buttons undone a lot of them undone just for like too a many. casual podcast too many <laughs> simply too many buttons undone he was also smoking indoors he at one point he put a cigarette behind his ear <laughs> it, it was not good it was not good and we posted about it at the time to essentially be like what the fuck is going on with cole sprouse this is not a vibe now in that podcast interview he discussed his relationship with lily reinhardt explicitly he said that they did and i quote quite a bit of damage to each other. If you're not familiar with the backstory, these two dated for three years from early 2017 to early 2020. They were co-stars on Riverdale and that's how the relationship bloomed. Yeah, they were super public in the sense that fans were very invested in their relationship and fans were very invested in the way that he spoke about it after they broke up. He also said this in the interview, I think if I loved myself a little more, I probably would have left a little sooner. He admitted at the time, I just felt like I had to take care of a lot of people around me, which was not good for me. I probably should have exercised a bit more selfishness in this situation. Now, Lily Reinhardt has a lot of fans. And I am one of them. (laughs) While these quotes aren't the worst things I've ever read, I think... It just didn't help that he said them with his buttons undone, his, you know, cigarette in his mouth smoking inside because he just came across a little bit arrogant, I would say. Do you think that's fair? I would say it is very hard. I listened to this whole interview. He comes across as very self-interested the entire time. So when you have 45 minutes of that before you get to these quotes... It makes them a huge eye roll. The context is everything when it comes to those quotes. Exactly. I think if somebody saying this who hasn't come across as particularly (laughs) self-interested, perhaps they wouldn't be copying the backlash. Anyway, back to Jack Martin here because I think this is obviously (laughs) why we've led into this story. In the wake of the Cole Sprouse Call Her Daddy podcast interview going live last month, Jack Martin appeared on the Barstool podcast Plan Bree Uncut. He played a parody version of Cole from that video, which was actually quite impressive. Here's a snippet of that. Why did the relationship with your girlfriend end? I don't want to play judgment on anyone. What? I, <laughs> I, um, I don't want to place judgment on anyone, but it was her fucking fault completely. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I think it's genius. But I do need to now know, how did we go from that parody video of him sending up Lily Reinhardt's ex to him kissing Lily Reinhardt at LA airport? That's what I want to know. Like, did Jack Martin do this parody because he was already dating Lily Reinhardt? So Iconic, it was a bit of so. like a <laughs> wink between them. Did she kiss him for PR? Did they connect online because she messaged him when she saw the parody and thought it was funny? All of that is brilliant. (laughs) Which which theory, though? I'm going to go option C. The Cole Sprouse original interview was something that everyone commented on, right? Yeah, oh, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. We commented on it. Everyone posted about it. I think the most likely scenario is Jack Martin, famous TikToker, was invited on that podcast, did a very well-received parody, Lily Reinhardt reached out to be like, that was funny. Thank you. Hilarious. 
It was floated. I mean, he also looks like Cole Sprout. So she clearly has a type mm. and it's clearly the guy who looks like Jack Martin. All right. So you're going for my option C. So, honey, what are you going for? Oh, they're all brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you flatter me. Do you, do you think it's PR? I don't think it's PR, but maybe because I don't want Lily to do a PR relationship. Yeah. I feel like she wouldn't. Would she do a PR kiss, though? Oh, uh, I think Doesn't she would do a PR, yeah. to do a PR okay. kiss. Can it be a bit of both? Can it be that they <laughs> met up and were like, hey, let's make... I think it's a rain. PR kiss. Yeah. I do. And I think it's inspired and I'm all about it. Yeah. I'm all about <laughs> it too. Lily, you got some fans. Yeah. <laughs> Our second story, Prince Harry's secret phone call to King Charles before coronation decision revealed. That is from news.com. And it's official. Prince Harry is going to King Charles's coronation, but Meghan Markle is not. Yeah. This is sort of an easy out for Meghan Markle because Archie, their son, turns four on the day of the coronation taking place. So every headline and every article about her absence does mention this. What Do we think that's a complete coincidence? It's the same day? No. I think it makes it easier. I think the palace, I don't think the palace only picked this day because it was Archie's birthday. I'm sure they were looking over a few weekends and thought, oh, let's do the one that's Archie's birthday so it's not too dramatic if Prince Harry and Meghan Markle aren't here. They've got an easy out. Does the, the more I think about it though, does the birthday make sense? What, I simply must be with my toddler son on his birthday, yeah, otherwise I, I'm... Well, how did you, how were you raised? My <laughs> mum wanted to be there on my birthday. But it, what, the dad isn't on the, there on the birthday think, and that's totally a-okay? Yeah, I think having one parent there for the birthday is totally fine. I'm not convinced it's a strong enough excuse. I th- all I'm saying is I don't think they looked across the year and thought, what is the one date that makes the most sense? Megan's birthday. I think they probably thought, oh, if we pick this date, there is also another narrative that can sit alongside it that's, you know, strong enough. But let's be honest, everyone, know, everyone knows why Meghan Markle is not going. Now, Prince Harry will not have a formal role during proceedings, of course. He is not expected to take part in the royal processions to and from Buckingham Palace. In the wake of his decision to attend, The Sun is reporting that he had, and I quote, a heart-to-heart talk with his dad, King Charles, before agreeing to go. They also reported there is, and I quote, a willingness and wanting to mend on both (laughs) sides. So I'm assuming the palace have leaked this, like this idea that they had a heart-to-heart phone call and Mm -hmm. there's a willingness to mend on both sides because it's probably very good PR for Charles. If he looks like a loving dad willing to mend a rift after Prince Harry's gone this rogue, I think it's perfect for the brand of Charles. Yeah, and look, let me put it on the record. I'm no King Charles fan. I think that's known. <laughs> this is a this is a good way for them to make him look like the bigger person. I though. agree, and I think being the bigger person now is the best thing any of them could do in this scenario. I don't think Prince Harry can be the bigger person. No, <laughs> I think Prince Charles has sort of just been handed this role like Stephen Bradbury at the 2000 Winter Olympics or whatever it was. I think if you're the one who didn't write the book about it, yeah. you're instantly <laughs> as soon as but the new I, I can see what they're probably doing. They're probably leaking stories about this to say we're so happy to have him. Here, there are also leaks from Prince William and Kate Middleton's camp saying it's not about Harry, it's all about the coronation. And they, because they're such devoted members of the monarchy, why would they at all be distracted by something so frivolous? <laughs> they simply don't have a spare second to no, give a thought. No, because they're so devoted. And I think that's also <laughs> quite deliberate, right? That this institution is bigger than them and bigger than their riffs. I mean, I am... Um, pretty intrigued to see how this goes down. I'm always obsessed with the photos that we see of the body language. Mm. (laughs) Now, you might remember as well that there have been lots of reports over the last couple of months that the palace have not been able to land anyone to perform (laughs) at the coronation. And I couldn't work out if it was just like bad press or if it was true. I mean, Adele and Ed Sheeran, for example, both said they were reportedly unavailable. Kylie Minogue Mm. There were so many headlines of reports, (laughs) I should say reports around who said no. They've landed on a lineup. It is Lionel Richie and Katy Perry, which no, I, no. Which I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. It's not. It's not giving. It's certainly no. I don't think it is. Look, I I love Katy Perry. Same. Um, but I don't think the Katy the Katy Perry. I don't think Katy Perry was the palace's first choice. I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. I think Adele. And Ed is a slightly more glossy lineup than Lionel and Katie. 
they're both American Idol judges. Yeah, we actually <laughs> haven't mentioned that as well. And I'm like, is American Idol, is this like a sponsor? Is it a sponsorship deal between the palace, the coronation and American Idol? Are we a little sad that uh, King Charlesy can only get what Americans get like every night on free yeah, to air? Yeah, I know. You get free to air in America. But the palace have got to pay. Look, I am happy that King Charles got anyone. I'm not going to lie, guys, for a time. I was worried there would just be no. silence. <laughs> Katy Perry is best known at the moment, not for her music, but for being the judge <laughs> on American Idol that um, <laughs> does the... You remember the line from MasterChef? I think it was Matt Preston. He was like, this is disgusting. Disgustingly delicious. She's been doing that on American Idol recently where people were going. Did you see the compilation on TikTok? Yes, honey, you've seen this? Yeah. Let's put a snippet. I'm actually so stoked she brought this up because we really should address this. This is one of my favourite pop culture things at the moment. Here's a snippet of Katy Perry and how she's handling her role as a judge on American Idol. And we did not put you in the top 24 you put yourself in that top 24 i am completely <laughs> obsessed with it sadly we're not taking you to the top 24 <laughs> you're taking yourself there <laughs> my favorite part about this as well which we haven't included is there was this back and forth for about 30 seconds where the contestant was really confused whether or not she was in the top 24 and then katie had to explain that yes, she was just trying to be poetic about yeah. it. And it was just There's no poetry at all. Our third story. It ruined my life. Candace Warner sets the record straight on that encounter. That is from Stella Magazine. Now, we have not talked much about Candace Warner on Shameless before. Sahani, are you familiar with the name Candace Warner? Nope. No, I think this might be one of those slight generational divides. I think perhaps. There's only maybe, how many years is there between us? Five? I'm 25. Yeah. Oh, okay. Four. Four years and maybe we just know different people in the Australian Mm. pop culture space. If you're not familiar with the name, Candace Warner is a retired professional Iron Woman. She is now married to Australian cricketer David Warner, but she has spent well over a decade, 15, 16 years in the public eye, certainly in the media. Absolutely. Now, she has just released a memoir and that is why she is in headlines at the moment. She's doing obviously the book tour. And there's a story that she speaks about in the memoir, which is that years before she married David Warner, she was connected to rugby star turned professional boxer, Sonny Bill Williams. Now it was 2007 and there was a photo of Candace and Sonny in a toilet cubicle at a Sydney hotel together. And that was leaked to the Daily Telegraph. Now, after that photo was leaked, the reporting became horrific. Mm. People came forward to say they'd spotted Candace at a nightclub later that night kissing another male athlete. And I think given the year was 2007, but truthfully, even if the year was 2023, our reporting would be pretty shit. But it was even shitter back in 2007. Look, I went back and read some of these articles. It was like bad, diabolical, like Lara Bingle-esque, who the listeners know that we've spoken a lot about that story on our scandal series this was really as bad as it could get I mean it was bizarre Sonny Bill Williams had a girlfriend at the time Candace Warner was then single back when this happened and yet Candace was kind of blamed for the fact that Sonny Bill Williams had allegedly cheated on his girlfriend at the time Candace at the advice of her then manager issued an apology that I don't think we would see in 2023 at all. I agree. I don't think we'd handle this the same way. She was told to give an apology that read, I've made a mistake and I'm very, very sorry about it. I'm conscious of my image as a sportswoman and I've got a responsibility to young people. Young girls look up to me. In that article with that apology, News Corp remarked on her insatiable love life, as they put it. It was completely gross. And I think it's also worthwhile to point out She was a 22-year-old single woman who was behaving in a way that a lot of 22-year-old single people behave. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think in 2023 we would demand a young 22-year-old woman to apologise for this kind of behaviour. But clearly at the time in 2007, that's what the mood was demanding of her and the Mm. media was demanding of her. Now, in the lead up to this memoir being released, Candace spoke to Stella Magazine about the humiliation she said has followed her for 15 years. She said, I still carry that scar and hurt. And then there's sort of, you know, a note in the piece where Candace starts to cry. 
But the fact that my family had to be humiliated that it changed their lives, looking back, it was handled so poorly. It was really embarrassing. I put myself in a position I shouldn't have. The thing is, it's followed me. It still follows me. In Sonny's book, it might have been one chapter, one paragraph. For me, my husband, my kids, my family, it hasn't gone away. She went on, no one wanted to give me any work after that. No one respected me as an iron woman. It's so hard to put into words without bursting into tears because it was so painful. It still is. One day I'm going to have to explain to my girls what it's all about. That's heartbreaking. Mm, It's... A really fascinating story and I think this time in the Australian media cycle is one that could be analysed for a very long time. It just makes me so sad that someone at 22 was put through this. And like, who cares? Who, who the cares? fuck cares? Who cares what you're doing? Honestly. It's like, no, it's actually the definition of no one's business and not no. newsworthy. And who took that photo? I really hope that person who took that photo in that, like must have been over or under the toilet cubicle. I don't know the angle. They were clearly intruding. Mm. I hope they feel sick to their stomach over about what, what they, they did, did to this woman. And I hope the Daily Telegraph team, whoever like, actioned this, thing. feels like, sick. Who, yeah, 100%. Like I really hope there's a lot of shame being felt about it from a lot of people. I mean, she said this ruined her life and sent her to places, dark places that she'd never been. And she hurt no one. Sonny Bill yeah. Williams maybe needed to apologise to, to his, his girlfriend. girlfriend. But that's Sonny Bill Williams's. Oh, crossbear. I actually feel so angry about I this. I feel really sick and sad about this story because I don't, I think I was far too young at the time. I don't even really remember it. I don't either. Um, but to, to look at this now at this age, it's just, it's abysmal what the media did and all power to Candace Warner. She did say she regrets ever apologising over what happened. Yeah, go gal. You didn't need to apologise. I love that. I will be reading this memoir. I feel like there's a lot in it that I would like to hear unpacked. Absolutely. Our fourth story, Aussie influencer is dropped by major sponsor for Bizarre Confession as she shrugs off the outrage and says accidents happen, you need to chill. That is from the Daily Mail. Oh, Guys, Australian content creator Emma Clare, who has more than 300,000 followers across Instagram and TikTok, has landed herself in quite the controversy, like one of the bigger controversies we've seen from an influencer in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a bit of context here. Emma has just launched a podcast called Simply Chaotic with another content creator called Christy Jean. Now, in their first ever episode, they did a bit of a get-to-know-you section where Emma was asked to share a secret with her listeners. Before I tell you that secret, I will tell you, if you are someone that finds stuff around, you know, animal cruelty quite confronting, this bit will be confronting for you, so Mm -hmm. maybe fast-forward 30 seconds. But she said in this podcast episode that her secret was that she had killed her family cat when she was nine years old by swinging it around like a stuffed toy and accidentally letting go. Then she confessed she'd also killed her best friend's cat around the same time. Mm. At one point, Mish, in this episode, Emma said, I just want to say I'm giggling about it now, but this happened years and years and years ago. Yeah. Look, I think there's two issues there. The obvious one is even telling the story about two instances of animal cruelty. The second problem is the tone with which those stories were shared. I mean, as you gave in that quote, Zara, then, it was given and told through giggles and laughter. And obviously so many people found that tone and that take offensive beyond confronting. Now, in response to backlash in her DMs on Monday, Emma put out an Instagram story. It's long. We're going to read you a couple of passages just so you can sense the tone. She said, To the people offended by my story in today's episode, it happened 21 years ago. I was a small child. Accidents happen and you all need to chill. Later on, she wrote, It's a bit of light humor in a get to know us episode. And if you can't handle that, then simply chaotic isn't for you. So bye. Yeah. Now, another section of the story included the passage, sorry, not sorry for an accident that happened over 20 years ago and sorry, not sorry for having a giggle about it. An interesting way to approach the backlash. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like a lot of us make mistakes. In fact, Mm. we all make mistakes. Those mistakes do exist on a spectrum. Mm. And if I'm brutally honest, I would have to say this is a mistake exists pretty far down that spectrum because it is a pretty confronting story to not just have but tell as well I also think though the ultimate show of character if you do mess up is how you initially respond to that when you realize you very deeply upset people at this point in the story 
Influencer Updates AU, an influencer watchdog page, picked it up. And from there, people started sending the clip to Model Co, the cruelty-free beauty brand that Emma Claire is an ambassador for. Yeah, Model Co really pride themselves on being cruelty-free. It's in their tagline and slogan. Now, they responded to the controversy on Wednesday at the time that we're essentially recording. They've announced on their Instagram that they have severed ties with Emma. They wrote on their Instagram story, we were dismayed by this story and will no longer be working with Emma in the future. Here at Emco Beauty, we take instances like this extremely seriously and do not condone animal cruelty of any kind. After that, Emma's tone changed. She wrote another Instagram story and this time apologised. She said, Hello friends, I would like to jump on here and firstly apologise for the story mentioned in episode one of Simply Chaotic. I am well aware that the story was not light humour and in fact very serious. It was not intended to come across the way it did. She finished by saying, I deeply apologise for those affected by an accident that happened in the past and I hope we can leave it there. Um, I mean, I am all for an apology. I think this case absolutely demanded an apology it's just strange to me that the tone can flip so quickly yeah and I it's funny because I actually think from what I'm seeing online people are so ready to accept apologies like people are definitely in a place where they're willing for people to fuck up and then kind of repent for those fuck ups but there's something even about this second story I mean there's they're only two days apart and it feels like it's a complete 180 but I really, I, I still don't like that last line. I deeply apologize for those affected by an accident that happened in the past. I hope we can all leave it there. That to me feels like I'm not actually sorry. I'm just here because I feel like I have to now that I'm losing endorsements, which is a shame. I don't know if Emma intended it to come across that way. I think these apologies from any public figure should go through maybe 10 loved ones to get a sense on the tone, get a sense on how it reads. And then an influencer should really sit on something for maybe 12, 24 hours so that they avoid that firing from the hip initial story we saw from Emma Claire, which was just totally inappropriate and totally missed the mark and inflamed this whole situation to the point where she lost sponsorship deals for it. That's a thing, I think, when it comes to like the PR lens on stories like this. It is... Often, I mean, I remember it even with the Alison Roman story mm. with Chrissy Teigen. She also fired from the hip straight away and was like, "Why are you all like coming for me? Coming Baby's for first women, internet drama, stuff like that." Yeah, and it's like sometimes I know the internet often demands you say something straight away, but sometimes taking a breather and working out what the mood is over the course of twelve to twenty-four hours is the best thing you can do. Yeah, and t- to be honest, I imagine it will be a really long road back from this. It's a pretty egregious story on multiple fronts and I think I'll just be interested how she can navigate it from here. Our final story, Matthew McConaughey says Woody Harrelson could be his half-brother. That is from The Guardian. (laughs) Let's talk about this, Michelle. You and I, to set this up, feel very differently about this story. I'm in Camp Believer. You're in Camp Cynic. I'm not in Camp Cynic. (laughs) I just think it's worth laying all the facts on the line. Now, this certainly could be the weirdest story of the week. Matthew McConaughey is randomly speculating (laughs) that Woody Harrelson could be his half-brother. Now, for context, these two have been really good mates since they first worked together in 1997, Mish. Yes, and they're working together at the moment. In an interview last week with Kelly Ripper, Matthew McConaughey said, you know, where I start and where he ends and where he starts and where I end has always been a murky line. (laughs) He went on, my kids call him Uncle Woody. His kids call me Uncle Matthew. And you see pictures of us and my family think a lot of pictures of him are me. His family think a lot of pictures of me are him. Anyway, so... <laughs> they do look very alike. They look similar. Twins. I can see that. Things got that little bit more serious beyond, hey, Uncle Woody or Uncle Matthew or <laughs> that they just look alike. When their families were holidaying together in Greece and Matthew McConaughey's mum made a curious comment about Woody Harrelson's dad. She said, Woody, I knew your dad. <laughs> McConaughey went on. Everyone was aware of the ellipses that my mum left after new. It was a loaded new. We went to unpack what this new meant and did some math and found out that Woody Harrelson's dad was on furlough at the same time that my mum and dad were in their second divorce. Then there's the possible receipts and places out in West Texas where there might have been a gathering or a meeting or a new moment. (laughs) Now, despite this, 
of him essentially speculating that his mum had at some point slept with Woody Harrelson's dad. He says that he hasn't done a DNA test and is not sure he actually wants to, which actually in my mind is fair enough. He said, it's a little easier for Woody to say, come on, let's do it because what's the skin in it to him? It's a little harder for me because he's asking me to take a chance and go, wait a minute, you're telling me that my dad might not be my dad after 53 years of believing it? I've got a little more skin in the game. So just to clarify, because I think I got briefed confused while you were reading that out again which happened to be the first time I read this story I'm such an idiot when I first read that I was like so we're saying that Matthew McConaughey's mum was secretly pregnant with Woody Harrelson and went no 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 she the allegation or the rumor is that Matthew McConaughey's mum slept with Woody Harrelson's dad and fell pregnant with Matthew McConaughey and he shares a dad with Woody Harrelson. That's the story that, <laughs> that Matthew McConaughey is sort of trying to wheel out and then just as equally trying to take back by saying, <laughs> I refuse to get this fact-checked. And I think my favourite part about this story is that in every article where everyone's like, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson might be half-brothers, the last line of all of those stories is, meanwhile, Matthew and Woody have collaborated on a new Apple TV show called Brother from Another Mother. (laughs) And I'm like, you're not telling me this is just the most convenient story given the title of the show they're working on. Look, I know that me arguing for this story is like pushing something up a hill. I know it looks dodgy. It looks like PR. But I I look at these two side by side and they have the same face. Sahani, I can see in the corner of my eye you're looking at a photo. Those two men are the same men. One just has hair. What do you think, Sahani? I don't know. (laughs) Do you think they look alike? I'm looking at Woody Harrelson in The Hunger Games where he has hair. Yeah, he's got blonde hair, I can see. Yeah, and he looks nothing like Matthew McConaughey. Yes, he does. (laughs) They look the same. I'm sorry. I'm going to make some kind of graphic for You Will Say Friday where I crop out these men's faces and put them side by side without hair. It's the same face twice. (laughs) It's not the same face (laughs) twice. You know what? Woody Harrelson looks more like Owen Wilson in The Hunger Games than he does Matthew McConaughey. That's so true. Anyway, I can't wait to hear what people think about this on Your Say Friday. Do you think this is just the most convenient publicity stunt of all time because they look kind of similar? Or do you think there's something to it? But for now, that's all we've got time for. Zara McDonald, thank you. Sahani Gunatilika, thank you. Michelle Andrews, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for the listeners. So grateful all round for you sticking with us. If you want to support the show come follow us on social come watch some of our videos of this very recording they will be on tiktok at shameless underscore podcast we're also on instagram at shameless podcast yeah we will be back in your ears on monday for another episode of scandal bye see ya shameless media This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.